of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Hello and welcome to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. And after today, we will officially be one-third of the way through the Psalm Project, because here, here we are in Book 2 of the Book of Psalms, ending uh, verse uh, or chapter 50. So we are one-third there. It seems like it has taken, for, uh, taken a while, and then there are times where it seems like it's just gone by very fast. And so here we are in Psalm 50. I really enjoyed setting this. I will explain the musical setting right now. And then you will hear it at the end. Um, it, it is one that is read, as uh, a few psalms I've said already. I set a refrain from the first verse. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. So I set that as the refrain. Uh, and then the pa- the text of the chapter is read, but juxtaposed and put in the middle of this musical setting is a staggered reading of this first verse, the mighty one, God, the Lord. And so it sort of gets the point across that this is the theme. The mighty one, God, the Lord speaks and summons the earth. In other words, here is what he has to say. And it's very emphatic on that um, first verse. It is set in a minor key. So you will hear that at the end. Uh, This Psalm has a prophetic cast Since a large part of it is composed of two oracles of the Lord, one spoken to the righteous, and you will hear this, and the other one spoken against the wicked. And so the psalm places a special focus on the need to give thanks. Verses 14, 15, 22, and 23 reference that. And with regard to its title, which is God himself is judge, um, this is a psalm of Asaph. Okay, so I mentioned there are multiple authors in the book of Psalms. The previous one that we looked at, Psalm 49, is attributed to the sons of Korah. This is attributed to Asaph. Okay, as I have done with many of these types of psalms where I've said a refrain and then read the text in the musical setting, I will not read this chapter, because you will hear it read in the recording. But if you want to follow along in your Bible, I will open up and and give you my commentary. Um, Someone asked me the other day which translation I am using um, when I'm giving my commentary, and that is the ESV that tends to be the translation that I gravitate towards. So that's what I'm using. I'm using my... um, Reformation Study Bible that I have used since 2008. I love this Bible. It is still here. Um, it is marked up. It is. I know where things are in it, so um, that's what I'm using. Uh, someone also asked me recently what I'm going to do when I complete this project. Uh, am I going to have an album with these psalms on them? And the answer is yes. It will be streaming, however, because you can imagine 150 tracks. Those will not fit on one CD, so it will all be streaming. Um, There will be an album of 
just the musical settings, but I am also probably going to put out an album with the commentary as well. So there will be both available um, and it will still be available on my podcast as well. The other thing I am going to do is I am already compiling this, but a, a book of the musical settings. So the chord charts, they will be available. Uh, they will be, will be available on my website, jonathanjones.xyz. Um, yes, that is the website, jonathanjones.xyz. They will be available there, the settings, um, or... Um, I will also have a hard copy available where people can order it and use these psalm settings if they would like to. I digress. Let's get into this. Psalm 50, a psalm of Asaph. God himself is judged. So the first verse begins with the mighty one, God the Lord. It opens impressively with three divine names. The mighty one, God the Lord speaks from and summons the earth. So the mighty one, that is one, and then God, and then the Lord. The third, the Lord here, if you read your Bible, it will be spelled L-O-R-D with all caps. This is God's covenant name, uh, conventionally translated with the word Lord in small capital letters. It is all caps, but it is small capital letters. In Hebrew, it is four consonants called uh, the tetragrammaton. Now, you may have never heard that word, the tetragrammaton. Uh, that's a long one, tetragrammaton. This is the Hebrew name of God's transliterated, uh, of God's name transliterated in four letters, Yahweh. You will see it as Y-H-W-H or J-H-W-H. It is articulated as Yahweh or Jehovah in our English translations. And this is called the Tetragrammaton. Even anytime you see, there's a song out right now. In fact, my church is playing it quite a bit. It's called Forever Yahweh. And, and they spell Yahweh as Y-H-W-H. That is the Tetragrammaton. And it is probably pronounced, we pronounce it Yahweh. That is probably how you pronounce it. Uh, Jehovah, if you see that name in, in Scripture, it uses the vowels of a different word in a way suggested by the Jewish custom of not pronouncing God's sacred name. And so here, the Mighty One, God the Lord, uh, it is that word, Yahweh. And it says, from the rising of the sun to its setting, God speaks. From the east to the west, God addresses the whole earth. Verse 2, out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God shines forth. The language indicates a theophany, a visual self-revelation of God. God's presence is manifest in his temple in Jerusalem. Listen to this, Deuteronomy 33.2. He said, the Lord came from Sinai and dawned. Their sire upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. We treat God's presence so casually often when the reality is God is holy and we should never treat being in his presence casually. And some may argue, well, this is Old Testament. God isn't like that anymore. He absolutely is like this anymore. He, he will always be like this. 
And this, it also references Zion. We see that quite a bit. This is the location of the temple, the place God has chosen to make his presence known. It says, God shines forth. Verse 3, before him is a devouring fire. God's theophany that was just mentioned is often accompanied by powerful and even dangerous forces, especially when he speaks in judgment. You see this in Exodus 19, in Isaiah 24, and in Nahum chapter 1. Verse 5, gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. A covenant is a solemn agreement between persons. And here, as in most places, it signifies the bond between God and his people. However, since man is sinful, this relationship has to be accompanied by sacrifice, representing the punishment for sin. There are a lot of people now that believe, and this has really existed throughout church history, but you are hearing about it more and more, a lot of people believe that Jesus' sacrifice on the cross was not a punitive sacrifice, when in fact it certainly was a punitive sacrifice. The wrath of God was poured down on his son, and it had to be. Now, I won't get into the soteriological st- uh, discussion of that, Is Jesus' sacrifice punitive? Was the price paid to God the Father, or was it paid to death itself? I won't get into that, but know that there are people who disagree with punitive substitutionary atonement. I do not. I think uh, punitive substitutionary atonement is the only possible explanation for the gospel. In verse 6, the heavens declare... His righteousness, possibly a poetic way of referring to the inhabitants of heaven, the angels. Otherwise, it's the glory of the inhabitant created the heavens, if you will, the sky, the stars, the earth, the planets. They, uh, in verse 7, O Israel, I will testify against you. This is God speaking. This is a legal terminology, and it's used... Because covenants were legal instruments, like contracts or treaties that we have today. When there was some disruption in the people's faithfulness, they were often put on trial by the Lord or by one of his prophets. Listen to this, Micah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Hear what the Lord says. Arise, plead your case before the mountains, and let the hills hear your voice. Hear, you mountains, the indictment of the Lord, and you enduring foundations of the earth. For the Lord has an indictment against his people, and he will contend with Israel. O my people, what have I done for you? How have I wearied you? Answer me. For I brought you up from the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of slavery, and I sent Moses before you, Aaron and Miriam. O my people, remember what... Balak, king of Moab, devised, and what Balaam, the son of Beor, answered him, and what happened from Shittim to Gilgal, that you may know the righteous acts of the Lord. With what shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before God on high? Shall I come before him with burnt offerings, with calves a year old? Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams, with ten thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He has told you, O man, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly 
with your God. So this is an example here of God judging his people. Verse 8, not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. This verse indicates that the people's problem was not the observance of sacrificial rites. They were faithful to do them, but they apparently misunderstood their significance. Verse 9, I will not accept a bull from your house. The people of the surrounding nations thought that their gods ate the sacrifices and offered them and grew hungry when they were deprived of them. Now, what kind of God is that (laughs) If, if we as humans can make them hungry? And so, in, in the Gilgamesh epic, the goddess Ishtar bemoans the lack of sacrifices that resulted in her god-sized hunger. So, this was a common thought in the surrounding areas of this time. And that's why in this psalm, you will hear it when I am reading it, that God is, is criticizing them and saying, if I were hungry, I wouldn't tell you. In other words, it's rhetorical. It is a rhetorical thought. God is not hungry and does not go hungry. Verse 10, every beast of the forest is mine. God affirms that he created and owns all the creatures of the world. And then in verse 13, do I eat the flesh of bulls? This is a rhetorical question. It makes it clear that the Lord neither eats the sacrifices, nor is he satisfied with them apart from the sincere commitment and thanksgiving. So the issue is not the sacrifices, but the heart of the people behind it. So he is speaking to his people, and then it takes a contrast. In verse 16, he says, to the wicked, God says this, and gives the second oracle in verse 16. What right have you to recite my statutes? When it says wicked, to the wicked, God says, this is probably the wicked people within the professing covenant community, since they know God's law. In other words, God is speaking not only to his people in the righteous sense, his righteous people, but also to those who are wicked, who dishonor God. What right do you have to recite my statutes? This may be in reference to a covenant renewal ceremony in which the covenant community together recites the law and reaffirms its intention to keep it. Listen to this from Deuteronomy 31, 9 through 11. Then Moses wrote this law and gave it to the priests, to the sons of Levi, who carried the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and to all the elders of Israel. And Moses commanded them, at the end of every seven years, at the set time in the year of release, uh, in the year of release, at the Feast of Booths, when all Israel comes to appear before the Lord your God at the place that he will choose, you shall read this law before all Israel in their hearing. And so this could be a reference here in verse 16 <clears throat> to this reading where every 7 years the people of God would recite the law of God. In verse 17, you hate discipline. This is a sure sign of a fool. Listen to this Proverbs 1:7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. Verses 18 and 19. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him. You give your mouth free reign for evil. The psalmist recites the seventh, eighth, and ninth commandments in all of this. You see a thief, you are pleased with him. And you keep company with adulterers. 
You give your mouth free reign for evil, and your tongue frames deceit. So we have stealing, we have adulterers, we have uh, lying. And then in verse 20, you sit and speak against your brother, you slander your own mother's son. So this is a reference to even the Ten Commandments here. Verse 21 Things, uh, these things you have done, and I have been silent. God's silence was frequently taken by the wicked as a sign that he didn't really care if they sinned when nothing could be further from the truth. Verse 22, mark then, <clears throat> mark this then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart. God insists on obedience from the wicked, uh, from the wicked hypocrites, or they will meet their own fearful end. Um, this psalm, as I mentioned, was set in a minor key. Uh, it does have that refrain, and then the reading of the text, and then juxtaposed throughout the setting, the staggered reading of that first verse, the theme one, which is the mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. In other words, God speaks, so listen, everyone. So it made a very creative setting, and I think certainly could be used in the context of corporate worship. It would work very well with four readers to stagger their reading and then divide the text into four so that each person reads it. And then the congregation sings the refrain that is set. So here is Psalm 50. Thank you for listening today to the Act of Worship podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. The Mighty One, God the Lord, the Mighty One, speaks and God summons the, the Lord earth from the rising the of the sun summons the earth to its setting. God the Lord, of the sun speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. The Mighty One, summons God the Lord, rising of the sun and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. The Mighty One, God the Lord speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons earth from the The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. Out of Zion, the perfection of beauty, God, shines forth. Our God comes, He does not keep silence. Before Him is a devouring fire, around Him a mighty tempest. He calls to the heavens above and to the earth that He may judge His people. Gather to me my faithful ones who made a covenant with me by sacrifice. The heavens declare his righteousness, for God himself is judge. Hear, O my people, and I will speak. O Israel, I will testify against you. I am God, your God. Not for your sacrifices do I rebuke you. Your burnt offerings are continually before me. 
I will not accept a bull from your house or goats from your folds. For every beast of the forest is mine, the cattle on a thousand hills. I know all the birds of the hills, and all that moves in the field is mine. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons earth from the The Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. The Mighty One, God the Lord, the Mighty One, speaks God the Lord from the rising of the sun summons the earth God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to God the Lord. The mighty, the mighty one, summons God the, earth, the Lord, God the Lord speaks the sun, and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. The mighty one, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. Do I eat the flesh of bulls or drink the blood of goats? Offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and perform your vows to the Most High, and call upon me in the day of trouble. I will deliver you, and you shall glorify me. But to the wicked, God says, What right have you to recite my statutes or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline. And you cast my words behind you. If you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you keep company with adulterers. You give your mouth free rein for evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. These things you have done, and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself. But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this then. You who forget God, lest I tear you apart, and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God. Mighty One, God the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. The Mighty One, God the Lord, the Mighty One, speaks God the Lord from the rising. The Mighty summons the earth. God the Lord of the sun speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to God the Lord. The Mighty One summons God the Lord speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting. The Mighty One, God the Lord speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to its setting.